about something today. I, I cannot uh, overemphasize how much appreciation um, that I had for uh, the scriptures and the prayer that Phelan shared earlier. I mean, that was so on point, especially as it relates to uh, the ecclesia. And she said that, she said that word, my, my heart just jumped. We spent about four years walking our congregation through Ecclesia mindset. And it really is that idea that says we represent God in the earth. I think over these past few weeks, uh, Pastor Paul's been talking about salt and light. You know, Jesus laid it out like that. You're the, you're the salt of the earth. You're the, you're the light of the world. Now, before then, John was the one that was testifying about Jesus. John the Baptist. Jesus termed him as the greatest prophet um, under the old covenant. There was a new covenant, that a new agreement um, that happened when Jesus came. And he sealed that agreement with his blood. That covenant gets established and reestablished. And we remember the new covenant, the new arrangement that God made with his people. And not just, you know, the, those of Jewish descent, but all people. He says, there's going to come a new day, and I'm not just going to go off of these tablets that I'm giving you. He says, the day is going to come when I'm going to put my, my spirit in them. I'm going to put my laws in them. It's going to be in your heart. It's going to be in your mind. But Jesus is talking about John, and at one point, and I might reference it later on, he, he calls him the greatest prophet in the uh, under the old covenant. And what did John say? John said over and over and over, one is coming, one is coming, one is coming. He said, I'm not the light, but he's the light. And so he's just highlighting Jesus. Well, at some point, Jesus is leading his disciples. He's leading and he's, he's setting the tone, not just for them. In St. John 17, Jesus prays one of his final, you know, noted prayers, his final noted prayers. And in it, he says, Father, I pray that they may be one. Early in St. John 17, he says things like, and if you want to write down St. John 17, write it down so that you can go and read it a little bit later. Um, Sunday mornings, this kind of stuff really is just a tease. It's just a tease you know, uh, whether it's myself or Pastor Spuler or, um, you know, Pastor, Pastor uh, Barry, Barry Whistler, you know, I know he, he's come from time to time. Um, we share, but it's, it should stir something up. And then later on, you go and you get more revelation because the Holy Spirit can talk to you. And so Jesus is, Jesus is, um, He's praying. He's saying, he's saying in the early part of uh, uh, St. John chapter 17, he says, Father, thank you for the ones that you've given me. He says, I haven't lost any of them except the one that, that was supposed to, you know, set things up. Um, he said, he's praying for them. He says, sanctify them in, or set them apart um, in your truth. And then he gives the description of truth and he says, your word is truth. And as he continues to pray, he says, Father, I, I, I pray that they might be one. They might be one like you and I are one. 
they may be one. He says it like four times between verse 22, 23 through verse 24, 25. He says it like four or five times. Make them one. Make them one. Make them one. Make them one in us. Make them one like you and I are one. Make them one that the world might believe that you sent me. So he's saying this stuff over and over and over. And then, and you know, I, 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 I got born again when I was 11 years old. My dad, who was a, an associate uh, at leader, associate pastor at the church that I, I grew up at, um, he preached one Sunday night and, and he had an altar call. And, and then I, I'd been hearing it, you know. And I probably said the prayer a lot of times. But that night, you know, it was a communion service in the evening. He, he said it, and man, I just I walked down that long aisle, gave my life to Jesus. And I had heard scripture, and every time I read verses in the Bible, I always saw it as Jesus talking with his disciples. And here in St. John 17, he's praying for his disciples. Father, make them one, make them one, make them one. That they may get it, that they might be unified. I was like, oh, okay. But it wasn't until I was older that I realized what happened at the end of chapter 17. He says, I also pray for those who will believe on me through their word. So now I get included in. So it's not me just now looking at John and, and Peter and James. And, no, now he's, he's talking about me. He's, he's praying for me. I've been included in all of these things. So all this red letter, red letter living and writing that Jesus said, now I can adopt it and then started adopting it as my own. And so up until a certain point, Jesus was the one that was highlighted. He was the one. He was the light. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. And I only do what I see the Father do. In other words, my ability to move in the earth, and this is Jesus, my ability to move in the earth as I speak for the Father and as I do for the Father is going to come based on the Holy Spirit leading me leading me. So I, I stay in tune to him. I stay in tune to him. That's another thing that we, we spend a lot of time teaching people how to hear God's voice. Because there's going to come a time when you're not in here and God wants to say something to somebody who may be in the supermarket. And you can't say, hang on for a minute. And you go and pull out your phone and call Pastor Paul. Well, you might get a voicemail. And so what God wants to say to that cashier or what God wants to say to that guy who might be standing outside of, of Wawa or another, you know, convenience store asking for money or what God may want to say to that teller or what God may want to say to that police officer or what God may want to say to that group of kids that, that are in the neighborhood or what God may want to say to that senior. God, God may want to say to that corporate executive. If we can stay in tune to him, and we can hear and then say what we, what we hear, and then we can see. That's why our imagination is so important. 
Our imagination is so important. God is the one that gives dreams. God is the one. God is the one that gives pictures. And you can see yourself praying for somebody before you do it. He says, that's, that's what I want you to do. I'm not trying to be spooky. <laughs> I try to be spooky. I'm just trying to let you know that as he is, so are we in the earth. Uh, you know, Pam does an amazing teaching on that topic. The fact that Jesus was considered as the light. John knew he was the light. And when he saw him, he saw him coming. He says, Whoa, behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus comes to John and says, John, baptize me. And John's like, whoa, no, 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 come on, man, come on, <laughs> you know. And Jesus talked him into it. He says, don't baptize me. And then that process started. He says, after he came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and the Spirit of God descended on him. And it was gentle. It wasn't this thing that... You know, make him, made him vomit and threw him up against him. Well, it came on him like a dove. So that's just a little explanation, okay? When you see that passage of scripture where it says the spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove, it was just to let you know how a dove is. So don't think, you know, you got to have a bird <laughs> come and sit on you. But then after that, he went and he moved and he started doing some things. He was actually led first into the wilderness and he went through that temptation so that we could see it. So we knew the way Jesus handled temptation. And I'm just giving you a lot of foundation for what I'm gonna share. Um, but he, the way Jesus handled temptation, he was showing us, this is how you handle temptation. Anytime the, the enemy comes to you and tries to lead you astray, Look at how I handled it. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. So when he offered him all of these things, you know, he says, you know, turn these stones into bread. He says, listen, you know, I'm not going to live only by bread. Man should not live only by bread, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, what is God saying about it? What has God said already about it? And we can find out, and we find that out by being around people that are bigger than us, who know scripture, but then also for being able to read scripture ourselves and then get around somebody who's bigger and says, I think God is saying this. Does this sound right to you? That's how, that's why we need teachers, you know. But at some point, it's got to be like Eli and Samuel. And I'll, you know, I'll just speak parenthetically for a minute here. Eli and Samuel, Eli is this young, is this, uh, is this, uh, this, this priest. And Samuel is a, a little boy who was the results of a woman who was barren and couldn't have children. Her name was Hannah, and Hannah couldn't have any children. And she was really going through it. One day she was going through it, and she was so desperate for it. She was, she was, she was praying, but nothing was coming out. I think Eli looked at her and said, you know, what are you doing drinking this early in the day? She's like, I'm not drinking. I'm just desperate for a child, and I'm talking to God. And she made an arrangement with God. She said, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And sure enough, she gets pregnant. And when he got to a certain age, she completely dedicated him to the Lord, so much so that she sent him 
to the priest, Eli. She said, I promised God that I would give him to him, so you take him and groom him. But here's the point. Eli is grooming him. He's grooming him. He's grooming him. But at one point, they're laying in, in, the, in the house. Samuel's in one room, the little guy. Eli's in another room. And Samuel hears God's voice. He hears a voice say, Samuel. Samuel's like, he gets up, goes over to Eli's room. He says, hey, you called me? He said, I didn't call you. He said, oh, okay. Goes back, lays down. He hears a voice, Samuel. He gets up, goes over where Eli's. You called me. He's like, you know, if it was present day, he'd be like, dude, I didn't call you. <laughs> he goes back. It happens again. And Eli realizes what's happening. He's like, oh, 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 I get it. The next time you hear that, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. He's like, in other words, I've been through this before, and I've seen this process. Sounds like God's talking to you. So he goes back and he lays down. Here's the voice again. Samuel. And then Samuel follows the instruction of his leader, and he says, okay. I can hear him. I can be like, speak, Lord. <laughs> you know? One eye open, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And then God responds. And then raises him up to be one of, the, one of the greatest prophets. In fact, he's the one who goes and anoints David to be king. And he learned how to hear God's voice. And even as this great prophet, he's still learning how to hear God's voice. God says, I want you to go and anoint the next king. He didn't tell him who it was. He just go, go to Jesse. He's got sons. Tell him he's going to anoint the next king. And he goes to Jesse, and Jesse brings all of his sons out. And Aries is like, well, surely, he looks at him and says, surely, the first son that came out, uh, Samuel looked at him and said, surely, this is the Lord's anointed. But because he learned how to hear God's voice, he could hear, not audibly, but he could hear in his heart. And what the Lord gave him in his heart was, Man's, man looks at the outer appearance, but I look at the heart. This is not the one that I've chosen. He said, oh, okay. So then he went to the next one. And then he went to the next one. Nope, nope, nope. <coughs> and then he's like, okay, I know I'm here, right? Jesse, you have any more sons? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this little guy, you know, and he's out in the... That's important. Because I believe that just like Samuel was groomed, to hear the voice of God. And Samuel was able to speak for God, for those that no one else saw. There are those of you that are in here this morning that God is going to use to speak for those, to those that no one else sees. And he is Jehovah El Roy. He's the God who sees, but he uses people. And that's what Jesus was doing when he came out of the wilderness, being tempted, and he had gotten all of that to show us what it's like. He then went into, he went back to 
Jerusalem. He goes in and he goes into the temple and he picks up the scroll and he finds a place. We know it as Isaiah 61. He finds a place where it's written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So all of those categories of individuals, and I will tell you, those categories of individuals are still present today. There are people who are bruised and blind and broken and poor. They are lame. They are in poverty. That's natural and spiritual. And I say that because sometimes you can see somebody and they can be dressed extremely well and you'll think there's nothing wrong with them, but they are poor in spirit. And they need God. They exist today. Jesus says, those are the ones that I am for because those are the ones that the Father sees. But of all of that talk of John saying, Jesus is the light, I'm not the one you should be looking at. He's the light. Jesus, when he has his coming out in ministry, he says, you are the light of the world. You're the light now. I'm about to leave. And everything that I'm doing, you're going to do. In fact, he says in St. John chapter 15, he says, not only are you going to do the works that I'm doing, but greater than what I'm doing are you going to do. Because I'm leaving. I only started this thing, but you're going to carry it forth. So I pray you guys are getting a hold of this. Because the thing that I want to talk about for the next 10 minutes is something that keeps us from walking in this. It's called disappointment. And so the, 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 the title for these next 10, 15 minutes is Healed to Heal. And we've got to be healed of some things because we're, we're stopped up. We're blocked up with disappointment. Disappointment as it relates to God. Disappointment as it relates to other people. And he says, I want you healed because there are still the blind, the bruised, the broken, the poor, the lame. They're, they're still there. And he's not coming back again to do that. He already came and he set things in place. And that's why those of us who have been saved and changed and washed. And that's not some high horse that we sit on. That because we have been washed and forgiven, that we get to look down on those whose eyes aren't open yet. No, it's just the opposite. We, we, we walk in such a state of humility. That's what the Lord walked in, humility. Because people need the Lord. That's that old song. People need the Lord. But the reality is, we've had some issues happen with us. And it's caused our heart to get hardened. It's caused us not to trust. And I'll show you a passage of scripture in a minute. It's caused our heart to get infected. And so sometimes we can question God's goodness. 
We start to question it, and it messes us up. We start reasoning. That's the kind of thing that happened with Adam. He started questioning. Hath God really said? That's the beginning. That's the beginning of the downfall. And we have to be very careful not to allow situations and people and even disappointment to get to the place where our heart gets infected and we start questioning the goodness of God. God is good. He is good. One of my favorite songs is, he's a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. That's who I am. We've got to focus on that and make sure that our, that our heart doesn't stay infected. And I'll tell you, things will happen in the earth. There will be issues that come up in the earth. In fact, there will be issues that come up with people. Somebody said, I wouldn't have any problems if it wasn't for people. Yup. People. People are messy. Here's the... Here's the healing piece. This is the sobering piece. I'm in that people category, which means that I'm messy. And thank God for Ephesians chapter 2. And, and you too, you know, were dead in your sins and your trespasses. You know? Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Without God and without hope in the world. But God, everybody say, but God. Who is rich in mercy. He's rich. And then it says, for his great love, King James, his great love wherewith he loved us. Sorry for those of you that are NIV or NLT or NASB. I grew up on King James. Even when we were dead in our sins, he raised us up together, and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man. And now we go and we give that same thing out. So I want to challenge you with some of what I give you today. Go home and read it. Soak in it. Soak in it. And for some of you, it's going to take a little bit of time to get your heart healed again. Because many times when we're in public, we don't, we don't see the poor. We don't see the broken. We don't see the bruised. In fact, if somebody comes and even gets too close or they, they ask us for something, that wall is up. Hi, can I talk? No, 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 no. Hi, can I talk to you? No, 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 no. And heaven may be talking to you, trying to get you to see something. Heaven may be talking to you trying to get you to hear something about this broken individual. And they may never come in here. They may never show up in here. As you going and saying, hey, come to my church. There's life in my church. There's joy in our church. There's wonderful people in our church. You ought to meet our pastors. You ought to enjoy worship. It's a great, wonderful environment. What's going to cause people to come here is they see God in you. 
his grace on you. And that's more than being nice. Loving the kingdom way isn't just being nice. It goes beyond being nice. That's why I have personally, and I'm not talking about titles or any of that, none of that. Strip me of every title. And I am just teary. And when I'm driving down the street, I'm seeing people because of my walk with God. I'm seeing teenagers. I'm seeing young adults. I, 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 I remember grooming, grooming the guy. I just released um, Christ Community Church of Philadelphia. I just released um, that particular congregation over to my senior assistant pastor. It's a young man. He's about 40. I think he just turned 40. Just turned 40. 41? 41. He still thinks he's 40. I hope he's watching this broadcast. <laughs> I, just, um, I just released him to be the, the lead pastor. So now he's the lead pastor. But I remember when he was 17. And, um, and we were walking in West Philadelphia. And we walked up on this guy who was fully intoxicated. Completely. Staggering and stammering and reeked of alcohol. So we're out. At that time, I was, you know, doing outreach. We walked up to the guy, and he asked for some money. He said, we don't have any money, but, you know, we'll take you to the store and get some. Um, and then we began to talk to him just practically about the state that he was in. Asked him, did he want to be free of that? He said, yeah. And in an instant, we prayed for him. You're talking about a supernatural encounter because he went from being stone drunk to completely sober. Now, that's, that's beyond nice. Now, let's pause. I want you to completely understand this. And if for me and for everybody, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Father's love. Everything to do with his love. But he needs people that are willing to see. So instead of walking up and remembering maybe a past encounter that hurt you with somebody who was intoxicated or maybe a family member or maybe it's just that you hate the smell of alcohol or maybe you're low key and it's like, oh, I don't want to be embarrassed because something happened, who knows? Or you saw it happen with somebody else. Either way, your heart has gotten a little bit infected to the degree where your highlight is not God's goodness, freeing this man, or freeing that little girl, or freeing that corporate exec, or freeing your neighbor. So I just wanna, I wanna let you know that disappointment thing, we've gotta let it, we gotta let it go. And sometimes it's big, it can be big things that have disappointed us, or embarrassed us, or made us so that I'm not saying anything to anybody. There's this, this wonderful, wonderful statement. I think it was by Augustine. He says, without God, we can't. But without us, he won't. Don't you let that sit on you for a minute. Without God, we can't do a thing. But without us, God won't do anything. He needs people. He always has. 
And he doesn't need them because he has to have them. He's chosen to need us. He's made it his design to come this way. That's why we're his agents. 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 17 and going all the way down to about 20, 25, 26. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who have reconciled the world back to himself. And then it says, and he has given unto us a ministry of reconciliation. So every one of us has this ministry. And then he says, we are his ambassadors. And it's as though our statement would be to everyone, be reconciled to God. But we don't have to go out with a Bible and beat people over the head. We can just get to know some of them. Like Jesus and Zacchaeus. He's hanging out in the tree, and here it is, this tax collector that's stealing from people. Jesus' approach isn't, you're going to burn for what you've done. You know what Jesus' approach was? Hey, I want to have dinner with you. This guy was so moved by that. By the time he climbs down the tree and his feet hit the ground, he's calling Jesus Lord. And he's making the decision, everything I stole, I'm giving it back. Without God, we can't. But without him, I mean, without us, he won't. The woman who is at the well, he doesn't walk up to her saying, hey, I know who you are, even though he did. God doesn't give us, I, you know, I think uh, Pastor Barry was here a little while ago, and he was talking about, how sometimes, you know, when it comes to the prophetic word, all we use it for is a way to damn people. That prophetic word, those spiritual gifts, it's so that people can say, wow, only God could have shown you that. But if our heart is so sick and infected and disappointed, then when God wants to show us something about people, he won't. It's like, nah, I'm not around people like that no more. Nah, I don't, I don't deal with that. So I just want to, I'm going to push you. Get to a place where you're wide open. Jesus sees this woman at the well, and what does he do? He says, hey, because he knows. She's coming at the certain hour of the day because nobody wants to be around her. Because everybody knows her character. And he doesn't come the same way as everybody else comes. With a religious mindset, an accusative approach. He comes. He says, hey. Will you give me some water? Automatic. She's like, what? Hey, we're not even supposed to talk. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Wait a minute. You're a guy and I'm a guy. Wait, what's, what's going on here? And it opens the door for the Holy Spirit to come in. Free her up. And moreover, free her to the degree where the Bible says she goes and brings the whole city out. Infected heart. All right. He's playing my Grammy music, so let me hurry up and get you where I'm supposed to get to you. Uh 
Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Write that passage down. Write that down. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Excuse me. This is what it says. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Look at this next passage. Psalm 73 and 28. This is one of my favorite passages. Look at this. But as for me, how good is it to be near God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Hey, can we, can we read that together? You guys see it up on the screen? Let's read it together. One, three. One, two, three. But as for me, how good is it to be near God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Now, I'll let you in on a secret if you haven't read Psalm 73. Psalm 73 has a whole storyline that doesn't start off like this. Psalm 73 starts off with words like, surely God is good to Israel. But as for me, my foot almost slipped. And then he starts to journal everything that happened to him. He says, I started looking at people and certain people, man, they were doing crazy things. And I'm like, and they'd walk around with pride, wearing a chain around their neck called pride, saying, who is God and what does God know? It would mess me up because they would get richer and more prosperous. And I'd be thinking, what is going on? Here I am over here walking in purity and trying to do the right thing. Is it even worth it? And when I tried to reason it out, and you, you read Psalm 73, you'll see it. It's a guy named Asaph. He says, the more I looked at it, this is what the message Bible says, the more I looked at it, it gave me a headache. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I saw the big picture. Then he started saying things like, man, now, Lord, you are the strength of my life. You are my portion forever. My heart may faint and, and this may happen and that may happen, but in you I've got strength. So by the time he gets to the end of it, as for me, how good is it to be near God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. But it started off where his heart was infected, and he had to shift and start to reason in the sanctuary of God. I've got four things that I do to help me deal with disappointment. Four things, and I'll give them to you real quick, even though the process isn't quick. First thing you should do is have a conversation with God. 
And we should do this every day. Every day, talk to God. Don't just talk to him about the, the wonderful things that are happening. Talk to him about the challenges. If you look at Psalms, all through the book of Psalms, you see wonderful journaling on how it started off a certain way and then it ended up right because they ended up talking to God. So have a conversation with God. And when you have a conversation with God, you know, make sure you honor him as God. Don't go in there and because, you know, you know, Terry said, I can talk to you, God, and I can tell you what's on my mind. Always be honoring. He's God. <laughs> and I'm not saying he's going to, you know, strike you down by lightning or any of that. I'm just saying don't, don't get to a point where you cross the line. But he does give you a right to come and talk to him. Even when we're in sin, he says, come, let's reason together. He says, I want to hear from you. Because if you don't and you stay isolated from him, then the enemy has a chance to feed you the wrong things. That's one of, you know, my wife and I teach, that's one of the enemies of oneness. We want to be one with the Father, but even in marriage, there are three enemies to oneness. Selfishness, isolation, and assumption. Assumption is a relationship killer. And so have a conversation with God. Have a conversation with God. That's the first one. When you do, don't hold back. You can still be honoring when you speak from disappointment. But the second thing you want to do is when you're having a conversation with God and you're sharing with him, make sure you leave room for his voice. What does he want to say about it? You're having issues with your spouse. You're having issues with your neighbor. You're having issues with your boss. You're having issues with another Christian. You're having issues with government. Are you having, because all these people things start to, you know, infect our heart. And by all means, if something's happened in your life and you have had a problem with God, talk to God. I accepted Jesus when I was 11, but that was the same year that my mom got cancer. And I remember being in the church. As an 11-year-old boy, over in the corner, praying on Wednesday night Bible study, saying, God, please, please, please don't let mom die. And at 13, in 1977, March 17, my mom died. Wonderful Christian, wonderful, wonderful. But I will tell you, I am not a bitter man today I still believe in God today because I got a chance to talk to God and share with God. I'm not that guy that's roaming the streets saying, yeah, yeah, I used to be with God. In fact, I grew up in the church. In fact, my dad led me to Jesus. In fact, I used to do all kinds of giftings and things in the church, but no more because God took my mom. No. That thing never did cake over because I had a conversation with him. So sometimes the issues aren't with other people. Sometimes the issue is vertical. And he says, come and talk to me. Wave at me if that made sense. That makes sense? Yeah, a little bit? Okay. Thank you for waving. Allow God to speak back to you. Make space for God's voice. That's number two. He's got an opinion. He has a perspective. And many times it goes against what we've been thinking. And he invites us in to hear how big it is. Number three, be open to his peace. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a passage of scripture in the book of, book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. And it says, he will give us a peace 
that passes. Anybody know what comes after that? Oh, y'all know it. Come on. He'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. Man. Well, I tell you, one of the things that I had to get to when I was having a problem with my mom passing, and she's an amazing Christian leader, Christian woman, but yet she died. Even after we prayed, she still died. How do you get peace in a situation like that? Well, I will tell you, in order to get the peace that passes all understanding, you with God have to give up your right to understand everything. You, you, you got to give that right up. When you say, God, you're God, and there are things that you've let me in on, and there are things that you may not let me in on, I acknowledge that. You're God. And there are things, it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, that we're looking through this glass, and it's cloudy. But the day is going to come when we're face to face, and we're going to know just like he knows us, and it's going to become clear. So if you want the peace that passes all understanding, give up your right to understand everything. Give it up. Say, God, I don't get it right now. I want to know. And at some point, if you want to show me, that'd be great. But until then, you're still good. Can we scream out, God is still good? Even when I don't understand everything, God is still good. Oh, man. So for point number one, dealing with disappointment, have a conversation with God. Number two, make space for God's voice. Number three, be open to his peace. And number four, feed on his goodness. Last thing that I'll say to you has to do with that same guy, John, Jesus' cousin, the greatest prophet that Jesus acknowledged him as. Excuse me. John gets put in prison. And he's in there thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And finally, he says to his disciples, I want you to go and see Jesus. And I want you to ask him, look how far John had gotten off. He says, ask Jesus, are you, are you the one? Or should we be waiting for another one? Now, this is the same John that says, behold the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. It's the same John that says, he's the one. I'm not the light. He's the light. Yet, John gets in prison, and he sees the death penalty of being beheaded. All of a sudden now, the thoughts, the reasoning outside of God, the thinking on the situation now, little by little, his heart is getting sick. He says, go ask him. You the one? Or is there somebody else that should be coming? When they go to Jesus, they tell Jesus that. And Jesus says, you go back and you tell John this. Let him know. The blind are still seen. The lame are still being healed. Lives are still being res restored. What is Jesus saying? It's so important that when it looks 
rough, don't get your eyes off of God's goodness because God is still doing good things. And once you start feeding on those other things, you end up being, end up being like Adam. God really say that? Is God really good? No, he's good. But the last thing that he tells the disciples is this. Also tell John, blessed is he who's not offended at me. That spirit of offense can mess the best of us up. The best of us. And so that Jesus didn't get offended at what John said, because Jesus could have got offended. Who does he think he is? He knows who I am. No. What did Jesus do in response? Jesus said to everybody who was in earshot, guys, I want you to know this guy, John, he is the greatest prophet of the old covenant. It shows us how to still honor when we get our feelings hurt. Still honor when someone comes at us. And not just someone, you can have people close to you come at you. Jesus showed us how to still honor them. Does that make sense? First thing, have a conversation with God. And for some, it's not, this is not a five-minute devotion that you sit down and say, okay, God, I'm going to deal with my disappointed heart, and I'm just going to sit and read this devotion. No, no, no. You're going to need to be in the prayer meeting. Oh, man. May God get us to the place where things get worked out once again in the prayer meeting. We're on our knees before God, and we're saying, God, this stinks. Lord, this hurts. Lord, this thing bothers me. Lord, you know that wasn't right. And it's in that meeting that he begins to say, I know, son, I know, daughter, but we're working it out. I know. Pray for them. They're blind in a particular thing. Pray for them. I know, daughter, I know, son, but all things will work together. Let me give you a vision. Let me show you what it could be. Let me show you what it could work out like. Let me show you what I'm working on behind the scenes. We can come up out of that prayer meeting healed, restored, even if the person never does forgive us. We have been in the presence of God, so we've gotten healed. And the plan that the enemy had for us to get a sick heart and not be a vessel that would heal the sick, his plan falls dead. So I want to bless you. Have a conversation with but let him talk too. Be open to his peace and by all means, feed on his goodness. His goodness. And there may be somebody in here and there may be somebody online that your heart's got infected. Something happened. And it may be external. It may be God. Or it may be parents, or it may be children, or it may be siblings. It may be other Christians. It may be friendships, but something has pulled you away from the Father. And I want you to know the Father loves you. He is so in love with you. 
And I pray that our lives, those that are still feeding on God's goodness, will be a testimony to you that God is good. That Jesus is real. That he has an amazing plan for your life. And so, I'd like you to bow your heads just for a moment. Those of you that are here, those of you that are watching this broadcast, you might be sitting on the edge of your bed, you might be sitting in your car, you might be on your porch, wherever you are. I want to invite you into a relationship with a father who is still good. He is so good. And I know you may not see everything clearly, but please see the clarity that he loves you and he sent Jesus to die for you. And he wants to join you in sweet relationship. And so if you're willing, I want you to say these words. Just say these words and and everyone in here, you've said it before for yourself, but maybe you can say it for others today to help them. So join me in saying these words. But if you're saying it for the first time, just believe with everything in you. And say, dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I believe he was buried for me and you raised him up from the dead for me. Today, I accept Jesus as my savior. I don't understand everything, but I am willing to make him the Lord of my life. Jesus, Come into my heart. Change my life forever. And I thank you. Help me to grow in your name. Amen. 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 If you did that for the first time, you are Jesus material. Let's put our hands together for salvation. For salvation. Will you stand to your feet? I want to close with a little song.